Hey guys, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Transformation Journey. My name is Emiliano, and in this episode of the podcast, I have the pleasure to interview my friend Owen Samaron. Owen is the creator of Unleash the Knowledge, which is a social media page focused on nonfiction books. And well, during our conversation today, you will be able to listen to Owen and I talk about his page, his journey, about education and the future of education, and many more things related to self-improvement and business. And well, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Owen Samaron. Um, I would like to start with an introduction, but I think a story is always more interesting. So I would like to get to know why did you get into the self-development world and how did that influence the creation of Unleash the Knowledge? Absolutely. Well, first off, thanks, Emiliano, for having me on the show. Um, thanks for being you know, here. <laughs> absolutely. So I just spent six seasons in college basketball, and that's what really started this growth period of my life where I was going through undergrad, then I went to graduate school. And, you know, if you're a sports fan, you know that with that with sports, basketball specifically, you know, you need to be working on your game every single day. If you're not working on your craft, the next guy next to you, you, you know, he's working harder than you. And one day you might come into a into a game with him, whether that's the playoffs or at the end of the season, he's probably going to beat you because he put in more work or he was more uh, effective about his use of his time. So through that experience, six years of being heavily involved with basketball, I started to connect those principles to my daily life. And that's, you know, habit building, having a strong morning routine, you know, being very mindful about what I'm putting into my mind as far as books, podcasts, uh, just people around me in general. So that, um, that all started the process within me. And then where Unleash the Knowledge came about was, you know, it's, it's about 15 or 16 months old now, September of 2019, I launched it. And I built it simply to essentially build a digital community for people like myself, people that wanted to read more, wanted to grow as individuals, you know, wanted to break through the status quo and uh, achieve essentially something far better than their peers or whoever they've, you know, been spending their time around. And um, obviously it's, it's had an incredible growth. You've, you've been a great advocate for the brand. So I appreciate it. And um, I've con connected with tons of great people and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what social media can do. And obviously it could have a lot of negatives uh, on these platforms that we're seeing as we, as we grow with the times, but there's also a lot of positives in terms of spreading a message to the masses in a very easy way, connected with like-minded people and kind of banding together around one mission. But um, yeah, essentially Unleash the Knowledge is just to promote learning, to build more lifelong learners, promote reading and, um, essentially get the big topics and big ideas from books over to people in a very quick manner because people are busy and they do have low attention spans. So I try to kind of condense those big ideas into short captions, messages, tweets, whatever they may be. I'm growing my email list now. So that's going to be a big part of that as well. But um, that's pretty much the premise of it. Great. And now you're doing interviews to authors and all these great people, right? So how did that start? Yeah, so that, you know, started with no plan. I, I really started during quarantine in March and April when I was stuck at home. And, you know, I did it one, one reason because I felt like everyone was stuck at home. So it was a pretty good opportunity to get in contact with people. People were either less busy or they weren't traveling. So they would, you know, spend their days inside their house doing their work. So I thought maybe I could try to get in contact with some best-selling authors or people that have a tremendous influence on social media, wherever, you know, wherever they've had success in their life. And, um, you know, 
it pretty much took off right away. It started off as Instagram lives. I don't know if you call any of those early on, but that was the origin of the idea. And then I've kind of transitioned to uh, an actual podcast form on zoom, just like you're doing. And, um, still in the process of actually getting it on podcast platforms. Cause it's a, uh, it's not an exact priority of mine at the moment, but I need to put a little bit more time towards that. But all the interviews are on YouTube under unleash the knowledge's name. And, um, yeah, essentially that's been a really cool opportunity to connect with people that have far more experience than I do. And, and yourself being a young, you know, high schooler, you're gaining tons of knowledge from people like myself or whoever else you've been speaking to. And it's, it's such an easy idea and, and topic to pursue and the returns are tremendous. I mean, you're probably, you're going to be skipping years and years of your life with the knowledge that you're obtaining from not only the books, but the people you speak to as well. Yeah. I am unleashing the knowledge, right? <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> definitely um, interviews help as a tool to well for improvement. And what has been your biggest lesson through the interviews? Uh, so biggest lesson with the interviews, I guess, um, you know, to some degree asking the questions that I want answered, uh, because generally my audience is 18 to 35 year old. So I'm kind of smack in the middle of that age group. So anything that I believe is kind of on my mind and, and I've noticed this through producing the content I produce and people resonating with it. So there is some alignment between my audience and myself, but essentially asking truly what I want to know. And then I've realized that a lot of people want to know the same questions. Um, you know, one thing I do with my interviews is um, I don't quite, you know, analyze someone's book or, or talk about someone's book, essentially, if it's an author, at least. I, I really try to peel back the curtain and see what they were doing at my age, what they were doing from 18 to 25 or so. And, and uh, what were those early steps that got them going to who they are today? Because of course, you know, when you when you see someone's great success, they might be 35, 40 years old or older, or, you know, or older, and you see the end product, but you don't quite know how they got to that exact point. I mean, some people might have had to work a nine to five job and then work on their side hustle afterwards. Some people, you know, either were just trying to be an entrepreneur and building businesses, but they kept failing and failing. And then finally they had that success and the success is what you hear about. But I really have been trying to uncover the information of those failures in the early days and, and how they kind of built these habits way back when before anyone even knew their name. So I think that's been a unique angle for me. Um, and, uh, and, and I keep mine short as well, which is all preference. You know, we have Joe Rogan's podcast that are three hours long and mine are 15 to 30 minutes long. And uh, I kind of do that as well because I think people's attention spans are really getting less and less as the days go on. So I try to condense as much information as I can into a short listen so that they can, you know, take what they learn and, and uh, put it into action right away. Yeah, I agree with that. And I like that you mentioned, you know, the journey of all these great people. And I would like to know, well, first, like your advice to your 15 year old self. <laughs> and well, yeah, that, that first. <laughs> sure. So, um, I was never a reader actually before I got to college. So when I turned 18 and I got to uni I got to university um, in the States, it was like a, a light switch flipped for me. And it was this kind of epiphany where it was like, if I mess up here, I got to go the rest of my life kind of rebuilding mm -hmm. myself and explaining why I did so poorly in school and why I spent my time doing what I did in school, you know, which would have been socializing 
everything and then earning poor grades. But when I got there, I was like, this is not going to happen. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have fun as any kid should, but I'm going to do extremely well in the classroom. I'm going to have a ton of extracurricular activities. I'm just going to load up my resume. And I did exactly that. You know, I joined the honors program. I was a part of the basketball team. I was, uh, I started in an honor society. Um, I joined a fraternity. I did all these things and I still was having fun and, and doing well, but um, advice to a 15 year old. So, you know, early in high school, I'd say, I mean, you know, what you're doing right now, obviously reading the best books and learning from the greatest minds. It, it, it's um, obviously there's millions of books out there and it's tough to get kind of twisted into the books that are being released today in 2021. But there are a lot of books that have withstanded the test of time and that I would encourage you to read those specifically first, uh, because unfortunately, uh, a lot of the books today I mean, essentially everything you see today is just built up from something in the past. There's not so many like super brand new ideas. I mean, there's obviously like concepts like Facebook and, and, and Apple or so, but those are all even built up from other ideas. So Steve Jobs got inspiration from Bill Gates with Microsoft to do what he's done. He just obviously did it to a much higher degree, but essentially everything you read in personal development books today have stemmed from something in the past. So I would read those original texts, you know, obviously the thinking grow rich and the, um, you know, magic of thinking big and, and um, how to win friends and influence people. All those types of books are really ones you to start with. Um, and, and, uh, and then other advice would honestly be just to essentially do exactly what you want to do. You know, a society might carve you out to do something, work a nine to five or, you know, do some, have some sort of lifestyle, but I would encourage you to, you know, make sure you're paying the bills if you have bills or you're, you're doing right by your family, but pursue what, you know, really is passionate towards you and, and um, be creative in your own way, whatever that may be. But, uh, you know, we're, we're entering a world where we're, we're fully in it, that we're in this creator economy, that essentially people are earning money from their home, from their phones, um, a bit, you know, the ability to earn money is, is limitless today with the use of technology. So going to that higher ed program, getting the law degree, whatever that may be, and then working for 40 years is kind of obsolete today to some degree. I mean, obviously we need those types of people, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you. So, uh, just keep your imagination open because there's tons of possibilities. All right. Yeah. And actually I want to mention two things here. So first of all, what do you do for a living? How has, well, how had university influence and helped you on your current journey? Yeah. So, um, you know, March, 2020, I, I, I transitioned out of basketball and I got back home and I pretty much went all into only to knowledge. That was the first plan. Um, so I've been actively building the brand in a couple different areas and, and seeing where it could go. That's one of the primary things I keep busy with. Um, Another piece is I actually just joined a startup as well. So I'm going to be helping them grow the business. And it's actually a, um, it's essentially an educational platform that is based around live courses. So, you know, now that we're stuck at home, a lot of people have these pre-recorded courses, which, you know, are all good and well, you get the knowledge, but there's a difference between you and I talking and maybe you're the instructor and I want to ask you a, a serious question face to face and get the answer in real time that you can't get with pre-recorded classes. Um, so it's really an emphasis on live courses. And uh, ideally, the instructors are, you know, influencers on social media or, you know, send, like professors, whoever really would like to do to it, who has an area of expertise and a 
audiences as well. So they could drive some people to the website, but that's, um, that's a bit of my time as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, we're every day is a new day trying to grow and trying to build new things and, and keep busy. Um, but I think you had one other, what was the second question you had? Yeah. Well, so some months ago I was having this conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about, uh, you know, current personal development books in which mm -hmm. they talk about happiness. And he was saying that he doesn't understand why people keep writing about happiness. If, you know, ancient books already like, um, talked about that concept or many more concepts. And so there was no actual point in, bringing more ideas so i would like to know your perspective there why do people keep writing about all these subjects which are actually covered by other books which were published uh, many years before okay so first question about happiness or just in general why people are, are writing oh, in, in general yes yeah. oh well um you know essentially that's just the way we've been evolving you know it's it's not um that's that's essentially how you learn and how you you develop new ideas you build upon the previous ideas i mean yes there's books that are essentially ripping the same exact information from these previous books and then republishing them to some degree kind of modern modernizing them um that obviously i i wouldn't encourage anyone to do so but some people have chosen to do so um but you know then there's authors like i know one that i think we share a, a big passion towards is robin sharma and mm -hmm. a lot of robin's work is 100 stemmed from some of the giants or some of the old philosophies however he has added his own bit to it and he yeah. has actually sought out real research in today's world within neuroscience and sleep and you know uh, high performance or whatever else that may be but then he's intertwining the two. So that is essentially the model. You know, you're gonna, you're not just gonna completely with, you know, erase all the past information. The past information is there for a reason. You, you analyze, you learn that, you analyze it, and then you see the world that we're living in today and you try to kind of connect two and two together. Um, but and then I guess in terms of happiness, one thing I will note about the happiness, because it just came to mind is because I read the almanac of Naval Ravikant. I don't know if you've read that yet, but uh, Naval talks about happiness and he always says, get people rich first and then teach them happiness, which is an interesting concept. Um, but I, I, th I mean, just like anything else, I think it's learned. I think it's a learned skill to be happy, to be creative, to, you know, do whatever else you may want to do. But, um, I also think it's probably a trending topic today because with COVID and, and, and also, you know, the downturn, at least in the States, in terms of our political standpoint, a lot of people have this distress and, and they're probably not finding so much happiness. So maybe people are just riding that trend as well. Okay. And now sort of transitioning the conversation, which are some of your top book recommendations? Absolutely. So, you know, one I always talk about that I that I love because it validated what I was already doing is The Third Door by Alex hmm. Benaya. Yeah. And that book is just, it's awesome that, you know, it's a book about a journey. So it's extremely enjoyable to follow along and, and the chapters are short and it's kind of like, it reads like a screenplay, it reads like a movie. So I've always 
I really love that book. I, I tell a lot of people about it. I've, I've passed it along to friends and family and um, try to get that in as many people's hands as well. I've talked to Alex as well on, on my little podcast early on in the IG series. But um, yeah, that book is great because it's, it's simply just the idea that today in today's digital world, you can connect with anybody and you can essentially, you know, put yourself in a position of success if you're willing to have that hustle and go out there and, you know, do the work, but also present yourself in a certain way. So I think that's, that could impact a lot of people. Um, and then back to Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari is one of my favorite books. I mean, I've read all of Robin's books, um, essentially to date. I mean, he's got his new one coming out, but he also has some mm-hmm. offsets of the monk who sold his Ferrari that I didn't read. Like one is I think family wisdom, which I haven't gone to, but I've read the leader without a title and the, uh, the saint, uh, surfer and CEO, I think is another one. And so all those, I really recommend the 5am club, incredible books. Um, reason why I love Robin's work too, is because it's, I call it like realistic fictitious work. So it's fiction, Mm -hmm. but it's, there's real concepts embedded into it and you could actually implement them in in your real world. Um, and he lays them out beautifully through this story. So I really enjoy those. Um, some other books, I mean, so many great ones, uh, <laughs> limitless by Jim quick was great this year. Really enjoyed that one. Rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki is obviously a top book that, uh, has helped with financial literacy. Um, this year I'm really trying to focus on some more biographies and autobiographies. So hopefully get a couple of those down, but one memoir that I read that I've loved and I always credit towards is shoe dog by Phil Knight, the story about Nike. Um, yeah, so those are some big books that I love to uh, to share and, and pass on, and I will continue to reread them as the years go on. Great. And how, how do you implement books? How do you implement books? Because maybe books like the Five AM Club are easy to apply since you already get these concepts, but books that maybe don't teach you something specifically to apply. How do you use those? Yeah. So the five, oh, 5 a.m. club, just because you brought it up. I mean, that's been a struggle of mine for sure. Um, I've never actually been a morning person. That's like one of the <laughs> biggest areas of my personal development. I've always been a night crawler and I work better throughout the night, but I'm transitioning. I'm trying to rise earlier and earlier, but not quite at the 5 a.m. mark, but I'll get there soon. Um, but yeah, in terms of implementing takeaways from books, I mean, one, I, you know, I always have a pen with me when I, when I read a book and I, I, I put in arrows, I bracket off sentences or paragraphs, I write in the margins. So I'm, I'm always writing in the book. And then the goal is post reading, once the book is finished, I go through all those notes and I rewrite them or I type them into my computer to, to revisit. And, um, you know, some takeaways might be super practical, like a book like Atomic Habits, it might tell you to do this, this, and this, and that's mm-hmm. how you might, you know, you can improve your life. But then other books, you know, it might be embedded into a story or some sort, but um, I don't think it's necessarily like a, you read the book and right away you have this full list of things to take on. I think there needs to be a reflection period and you need to be able to digest what you just learned. And then from that process, you'll be able to see, you know, how you can implement something tomorrow or, or whatever that may be. But um, I definitely encourage people to actively take notes while reading. Um, some people, I guess, don't like to, and that's obviously their preference. But for me, I got a million things in my mind, so I need to write something down so I can retain yeah. it and then be able to go back and reference it whenever I you know, want to do so. And then transferring that knowledge as well to a notebook or uh, a digital document so that I can revisit whenever I'd like and 
be able to see my progress. And for example, with I don't know autobiographies or just biographies, do you try to implement those in some way or just use them to have a better mindset and then hope that you implement it? Yeah, it's a really good question because you know um, people think they need to read a Steve Jobs biography and do exactly what he did so I can mm. become Steve Jobs. But I would not advise anybody to have that mindset. Biographies and autobiographies are simply to just have this, take this journey into someone's mind, someone's life, someone that's not yours. Obviously, everyone's unique. Everyone has their own everyone's going to be different in their own way, but it's, you know, it's, it's that inside look into someone's life and their journey, essentially learning what I'm doing. So in my podcast, asking these questions, like you just asked yourself too, what's your 15 year old advice? What'd you do after college? Those are, those are information bites that you can gain from biographies and autobiographies. But to your question, um, you know, read those books to simply just digest what these great thinkers are doing and how they kind of navigated their life and, just kind of paint the picture in your mind how they went from essentially birth to, you know, whatever age they are today, or if they've passed and what they've accomplished in that set of time. Uh, it's less about seeing what they did and saying, okay, uh, Steve Jobs went to read college and then he dropped out. I got to go do exactly that. I'm going to become Steve Jobs. Like that is not the, not the method or, or an approach you should take. Um, self I mean, obviously some self-development books and business, marketing, psychology, all those types of books, they have tactical and practical knowledge where you can implement tomorrow. But um, I personally read biography books to get an inside look and in someone's life and be able to kind of gather information of how they kind of did it to inspire me less about to teach less about to teach me to do what to do tomorrow. It's more to inspire me that it's possible and, and learn what they did to connect it to my life to some degree, what I've already possibly have already done. And then have you thought of any book you would like to write in the future? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of, uh, a lot of or big aspirations to, you know, be a best-selling author. Like I'm sure many of us are. Um, <laughs> I think I have a unique perspective just through my own life that I can write a ton about um, in terms of not uh, being much of a deck, not even being much of a basketball athlete myself and then being able to, to accomplish what I have in basketball, being a part of it, you know, a championship team or two championship teams and earning rings and um, experiencing that whole lifestyle. So I think there's definitely some synergy between what I've accomplished so far and, and my upbringing that I can share a lot of inf information about. And, and, you know, personally, I really, I would love to, and this goes back to us, you know, standing on the shoulders of the giants and kind of learning what they did to then do what we want to do. But I do love Robin Sharma's writing technique and, or his, his form of writing this fiction book, yeah. but embedding in a uh, real topic. So that's, I think I'm leaning more towards something like that rather than just writing a book and saying, okay, do this, do this, boom, boom. This is what I did. But um, again, I, I don't have a timeline on that. I mean, some, some thoughts have, have come across that I should write it this year, but I still think I'm young enough where I have so much more to learn. And I personally don't think I've accomplished enough to really write a book, but of course those might just be my own doubts and, and everyone, you know, if I said that to somebody, they might just say, you know, you're, you're super capable of doing so this year. And, and then you take Alex Benign's case. He wrote the book from like 18 to 
mid twenties. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, there's no age, age, um, there's no age rule to writing a book, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't have too much to give away, but I definitely have some experiences that I think would be, would, wouldn't, you know, be enjoyable for someone to read in the future. Yeah, I agree with that last part. And so what's your vision for yourself and also for Unleash the Knowledge? Yeah, so, you know, my vision for myself, um, just to, you know, continually grow. My, my mantra or motto is that tomorrow doesn't have to be today. And, you know, your past doesn't define you. What you did yesterday is not what you have to do today. So I'm on just this constant, you know, journey to continue to grow from who I was yesterday. So that's, you know, essentially my vision and its foundational piece. But um, since, since around your age, I've been serving a lot of others too, for free. I've done a lot of volunteer work, whether that was in my church or, um, you know, through my own way, where, whatever that may be. So that's something that I hope to continue to do to offer up my time and help others and, and volunteer in, in different ways and, um, you know, hopefully benefit lives in that way. And, and then, you know, all in all, just try to be an impact to, to anyone that would listen or anyone that wants some advice from what I've been through and, or, uh, been able to accomplish whatever that may be. Um, but I'm definitely, you know, myself and Unleashed Knowledge together, just continuing to, to some degree, reinvent education and ascent, you know, I've been through the higher ed process. I've been through graduate school and, And that's all great and well, um, but there's a lot of things that are left out, I believe. And I think the style of the classroom is also evolving tremendously. Obviously, COVID is showing us that we're we're all working digitally and remotely. And now that I'm working on this new startup where there's live courses where you can, you know, get that feel of being in the same room with someone, but still be in the comfort of your own home and and be able to ask those questions in real time. I think there's something there as well um, to maybe be a little bit groundbreaking or or add to the fire of rethinking education. So, you know, those are all kind of pieces of what I'm trying to work towards. And, but unleash the knowledge itself, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not too focused on, you know, maybe, you know, building this into a multi-million dollar company, perhaps yeah. one day it can be, but I think first and foremost, I'm just looking to inspire people, get people knowledge from books that I've read, share my own two cents about them. And if that continues to inspire people to read more and, and help others, then I'll continue to do it. But um, I don't really have a, you know, a, a master plan of building this brain into something tremendous. I think uh, I like the way it's going right now. And we'll see. I mean, if the email newsletter grows, which is a goal of mine, um, to to educate people through the email um, form, and, and it's, um, again, like super con concise information and being able to gather the takeaways from books in five minutes or less, I think that could catch some fire. So we'll see, we'll, we'll keep working on it every day. Great, and well, I have again, two things to say here. So one has to do with the knowledge, but I will leave that one for later. But I sure. want to know what's your perspective on reinventing education? So what, what do you mean by that? What's your vision? Mm. Yeah. So when I say reinventing education, um, I mean it because, you know, I always say this, it's, it's funny. And I always, um, I've been saying it for a bit now, but if you were to freeze somebody in 1900 and unfreeze them in 2021, the only thing they'll probably recognize is the inside of the classroom. It's like the one mm. thing that hasn't evolved throughout those 121 years, the way we, the way we talk right now, 
has revolutionized. The way I might send you money has changed. I could do it digitally now. I don't have to take a trip to Mexico and, and give you 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, the way the way you read has changed. Now we have Kindle and you know you don't have to buy all these books behind me if you don't want to. Um, so essentially everything has changed. The way we transport ourselves, um, you know, I'm sure there's just a list and list of everything. Everything has in, been innovative um, and, and evolved, but the classroom has stayed the same, essentially, you know. Um, the lecture, the college lecture is, is still, you know, you could look at pictures from 1900 and you can look at pictures from before COVID and it's essentially the same. So I personally think that there's a lot of disruption still needing to happen in the educational space. Um, you know, a company that I admire is Mind Valley. I'm sure you, you've obviously f- yeah. are familiar with them. Vishen Lakiani, he's obviously written two books, but he's doing doing something really cool where he's taking personal development and human transformation, putting it online in pre-recorded classes, learning from some of the best experts in their fields and earning an education that way. Um, and he's covering topics that I think are probably far more important than learning about, you know, Eastern European history or whatever, you know, some history classes I had to take in high school or, you know, moving on through college. But, um, you know, that's like one idea that that is that is moving. Uh, another company like Masterclass, I think is a really great idea. Again, this pre-recorded session. So it would be so cool if they had a live setting, which, you know, would, would essentially be the idea I'm working on. But they have these experts that are teaching these top courses. And, um, you know, now you can learn from Martin Scorsese, one of the greatest American filmmakers, how to be a, how to be a director, like, you know, for for a fraction of the price for probably like 10 bucks a month or something. So it's, it's those ideas being able to get education out to people in a way more accessible manner and charging a far lesser price. Um, Cause at least from the United States, you know, college standpoint, university standpoint, it's extremely overpriced. And a lot of kids aren't even prepared for the years in college. I mean, I fortunately was, or I had to transform myself to be prepared because coming out of college, I probably wasn't. Um, but most kids from my own experience, you know, they just have different priorities and different um, thoughts about their time in college. And unfortunately, you know, that's a big investment to uh, mess around with. And um, yeah, that's kind of the basis of when I say rethink education to there's far more possibilities to get educated today than ever before. And um, it should be something potentially done on the, on the go. I don't think you need to be locked down. Like today, we don't have to be locked down to an office building because of COVID. And we don't have to be locked down to a college you know, or high school classroom anymore. You can now learn off your computer, whatever that may be. So um, I'm sure there's going to be you know, tons and tons of uh, companies popping out that are going to shed light on, on what I kind of just mentioned. Yeah. And do you think this vision would apply to people, well, to old people and also to little kids and things so to any kind of people yeah absolutely i mean really uh yeah i'm glad you said that because i don't know about you when whenever you go out to a restaurant or you go out to anywhere maybe pre-covid also you see these kids these little kids with ipads stuck in their face or Mm -hmm. iphones (laughs) all the little kids are are on technology more than we are imagine if you you know built some sort of uh fun interactive educational game or show and had these kids start watching it they're you know, th- their learning curve would begin far, far earlier than, 
you know, mine or yours has started. Um, you know, they might think that they're playing some fun little game and they're being entertained, but it might actually be teaching them something pretty educational. So um, I think little kids are definitely a, you know, I hate to say this, but like a market for um, (laughs) revolutionizing education and older folks too. I mean, um, maybe a little bit less, but I I think that the range for all these ideas is applicable to, um, you know, five years old to 95 or plus, you know, I think it's applicable to everybody. Yeah. And how do you think that we will, the, you know, masterclass and all those companies could merge books and also this, this new kind of education. Yeah. And well, you know, I think that's, uh, I think books are still left out. That's why we're probably having so much success in our own way. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, I, I mean, I guess there are some, some ideas, um, where people are teaching, you know, they're teaching their book in course form, which is, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a little bit, but I think there's more, more to be done yeah, there like, as well. Like Robin, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like he just put out his 5am club. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, if you have, I would encourage anyone who's an author has a level of influence to, start teaching what, you know, what they know, um, start teaching their book in an innovative way. I mean, the, the one fine line between doing that is you don't want to teach so much that people aren't buying your book. You still want them to buy the book and Mm. potentially read it, but you want to also, you know, build upon that. So the 5am club is a great book that should be read because one, it's a story, so it's enjoyable, but it also teaches tons of principles. But each of those principles that Robin teaches, I'm sure can then be taught way further and way deeper, which I'm sure is what he's doing on his 5am club course. I don't have it, so I wouldn't exactly know, but I'm assuming that he would take, you know, just the 2020-20 formula and he could could spend hours explaining just that one concept and then go to the next concept. but yeah, I think that, um, you know, I hope that books don't die and I'm, I'm trying to keep them alive to some degree with, with only knowledge and, and with yourself as well. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, books could be intertwined tremendously. I mean, even from the college standpoint, a lot of the books that you read are not these innovative books behind me. Mm-hmm. They're not like most of the books you read are old textbooks that are, you know, super outdated. And I'd much rather learn a business concept from a guy like Jim Collins or Richard Branson than, you know, some outdated textbook. So I think that most of the nonfiction books that are out in the world should be a part of the college curriculum. That'd be the first like step to integrating the two or or revolutionizing the college atmosphere. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's been efforts to do so. I guess there might be some back, you know, some pushback or whatever that may be, but Anyway, I definitely think that there's a, a lot of room for, you know, books to tap into the online educational space. Yeah, I like that. And we'll now transition in it again to the part of Unleash the Knowledge. You, well, you earn money with Unleash the Knowledge through promotions, right? And I would like to know what would be your advice for anyone in the Instagram community uh, for them to, you know, um, be able to build potentially a business or just, uh, have some part income. Yeah. So, you know, uh, to, to, to start off with that, I definitely think, you know, social media is still untapped. I think it's a massive network for people to 
get your voice heard, you know, get your products out, whatever that may be. Um, and through my experience of working with authors and publishers, I've learned that most of them don't leverage social media. And, you know, fortunately, they're free platforms, you know, they just take some time to, to put daily work in and, and grow it like, um, like I've had success doing so. But it's free at the end of the day, it's just hard work that you do on a consistent basis. And the dividends can be tremendous. I mean, if you build, I mean, obviously, you can build your social presence by doing speaking engagements and doing other things. But I built my page from zero to, you know, to where it is today, simply by posting about something that I was passionate about and, and sharing my two cents and, you know, sharing some value. But um, I would say that, you know, that um, the book publishing space, traditional publishing needs to tap more into social media and, and leverage these outlets. Um, you know, I'm sure they focus a lot on print advertising and maybe even internet, you know, ad space, which is all good and well, but I think that most people and, and essentially the right eyes, their readers are on social media. So to spend time in that way would be super beneficial. So that's kind of where I, we've come in, where we have this audience of readers and learners, people that are more likely to actually purchase the book because it's not just a mix of random people. It's actually the, the right people that should see their books. Um, people that are active readers that love personal growth, nonfiction, whatever that may be. Um, so the chances of converting are way higher than just sending a Facebook ad out to, you know, uh, just a bunch of people within some aged demographic. But um, I guess to the second point of your question of how, you know, people can, I guess, find their niche and, and earn some cash, I would, you know, just think about what you're good at. And, um, you know, maybe the podcast is perfect for you. Maybe you, I mean, you're doing a great job so far. So maybe you're a great Thanks. interview asker uh, question. You know, you, you have the best questions or something like that. And you get all these top guests to come on your show. And then you can start earning money through that. If you get a lot of, you know, listens and downloads, whatever that may be. But it's all about just carving out your own niche and your your path. Um, and then seeing what the market has for you and, and seeing what the demand is. And then being able to supply them with your service or product. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, it's just a process of seeing what, what, what works best for you. But at the end of the day, you need to be pursuing something that you're passionate about because it's not going to be an overnight success. It's a daily grind. Um, even though I've had a pretty speedy, you know, journey myself within, you know, less than a year and a half, it's still, uh, I personally don't think I'm, I'm scratching the surface of where I could go. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's just a daily process and seeing what you're best at. So you can provide that best value to the next person but I don't think it's something that can be forced to. Yeah. And how would you monetize a podcast? Because you, you briefly talked about that and I would like to know. Yeah. So you can monetize a podcast through, um, through sponsorships and brand deals um, or even through authors. So if you have a ton of people listening to your podcast and um, say, you know, I don't know, here's an example, like say it's a sports podcast and a ton of people are listening to your sports podcast and you reach out to Nike and you tell them that you'll, you know, share a 30 second to a minute little pitch about their new pair of shoes or shirt before your podcast in the middle of your podcast or at the end. And that could exchange, you know, you're, pro you're providing them value and exposure from a PR marketing standpoint, because you have the listeners coming to your one location, you're getting the message out for them. So essentially that's going to hopefully drive sales for them or people to head over to their website. And then 
the exchanges, they pay you money for that. So, um, but you wouldn't be able to do that unless you have a substantial following or, or a substantial, you know, listening uh, audience, listener audience. So wherever you're at, I'm not sure, but, you know, continue working on that. Focus on getting like really substantial guests, if you can, uh, people that have large social followings or have accomplished a ton and have large, large networks so that you can, um, you know, you could see that you're associated with them. You can kind of you know, bounce off their audience. And when they see that person, they see you and two things come together and then they'll come over to your page and want to listen more or learn more. Um, but I don't, I don't know too much about podcast monetization other than what I kind of just shared. Um, you know, then it's just, if you have products or services, you can obviously share those in your, in your podcast as well, whatever that may be, but it's just another outlet for you to share whatever you have to offer. It's just like an Instagram post and a caption, but it's just now it's your voice. It's your face. Maybe personally, I think that's more powerful showing your personality, showing your face behind a brand. And, and if people connect with that, then they're, you know, more likely to listen to what you have to say. So, um, yeah, those are some tidbits on how you can get that going, but it all matters with, uh, with how, how high the engagement is because essentially they, they want to see a return on their investment. Mm -hmm. I like it. Well, and now just two questions before wrapping up. So first, when I say transformation, what comes to your mind? Transformation, best thing is back to my my motto or mantra is that, uh, you know, who you were yesterday is not who you are today. It's just the, the simple idea that, you know, whatever you were working towards yesterday or wherever you were on this imaginary scale of zero to 100 and 100 being like your most optimal, excellent point, um, you know, you just hopefully continue to rise up. But unfortunately, transformation could also have a negative aspect to it too. I mean, it's it's not necessarily just positive. It could be, you know, you transformed to be a worse person or something, you know, hypothetically. <laughs> like it could go both ways, just like a lot of the habit books talk that uh, momentum and building a habit can have a huge positive upside and, and a lot of growth. But also if you decide to sleep in a ton over a week, that's going to start to compound itself and it's going to, you know, have negative returns on you as well. But, you know, flat out it, it transformation is being able to, uh, in my mind, better yourself from yesterday to today to today. Okay, cool. And now finally, what is something you have learned recently or discovered that you would like to share to us? Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. Um, And, and I, I'm learning so much at such a rapid pace that it's always tough sometimes to, <laughs> to reiterate it. Um, well, I guess, I don't know how recently, but probably in the last three to six months, I'm learning more about the negatives of our phone screens and our laptop screens. And I, I purchased these glasses after being inspired by Dave Asprey, these blue light emitting glasses. Mm -hmm. So, um, Well, actually, I actually learned about it before him, but he kind of he kind of engaged the idea um, some more. But that's something new that, uh, you know, we um, we don't quite know the negatives of these screens in terms of our eyesight because we're, we're kind of the test dummies, unfortunately. So maybe when we're 40 or 50, we might have some serious eye problems and it may be stemmed yeah. from these phone screens and, you know, the blue light entering our eyes at late nights when it's just that one screen channeled towards our eyes. 
but using these blue light emitting glasses or obviously staying away from the screens um, or, or not being on it as much as you would probably need to is, is ideal and it'll probably help you down the road. Okay, thanks. And well, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I'll say thank you again and um, check out the brand Unleash the Knowledge. Obviously, the, the Reader's Lounge is doing amazing things too. Um, but you know, read more books. That's that's the main premise. And there's, uh, you know, if I took some master class of all these books from 18 to 24 from my time in undergrad to graduate school, I feel like I'd probably learn far more. Um, personally, I would learn more about myself, which is way more effective than anything else. That's why I really like Mind Valley because it's a deep dive into your inner work rather than, you know, learning about a business concept or, or a personal finance idea, I think everything starts within. So that's where most of the effort should be uh, put into. And unfortunately, most of our education systems don't spend time on that whatsoever. Um, so yeah, try to work on some, some self awareness uh, growth. And, and, you know, you could do that by writing out your life story, which is an interesting exercise, which I learned from Terry Wade, who's um, an independent author that I've worked with. And um, by doing that, you can really uncover where you've been. So then you can understand why you are who you are today, and then essentially plan out the next, you know, near future to either continue down that track or, or pivot a bit. Hey guys, it's Sammy again. And well, just a couple more things before finishing with the episode. First of all, Thanks for listening. Thank you for your time and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and I hope that you received value. If you did, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram as the Reader Lounge or as the Transformation underscore Journey. And well, I would also encourage you to share this episode to a friend or just to anyone who will as well get value and enjoy it. And well, finally, if you want to support us, you can just keep listening to more episodes or you could also leave a rating and a review if you are listening to this on iTunes. And well, so that's all for today and see you next time.